Ready, aim, release! Anyone see my mammoth? Hello! Um, it is uh, yet another Monday um, at a slightly different time, as it turns out, for our uh, US slash Canadian viewers, um, because they've had their summer, no, spring. Daylight savings. Daylight yeah. savings, that's it. Uh, the spring Are in bit. two weeks? Uh, two weeks, I believe, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so we'll catch you up soon enough. Don't, don't just as a, you know, when we talk about time zones, we talk about like scheduling games for TTS or time zones talking about international players and stuff like that. Don't we just absolutely have to hate it that we all have this moment in the year where we change clocks, but literally nobody is synced up. <laughs> oh. 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 So stupid. Anyway, yes, um, we are still back. Uh, Carlo, you've, uh, you've, you're back uh, after, uh, not like anyone else would know, You've actually been away, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, good weekend. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just uh, I, I flew to Ireland over the weekend because uh, you know uh, I have family over there, and uh, yeah, if uh, I, I spent quite a bit of time, too much time in airports as uh, as my flights were delayed both times, and um, yeah, I actually. Went down to reading the uh, the real depths of uh, things that go on in Discord, which I mostly ignore these days. I don't really, really get. You know, there there are there are some parts of uh, you know the main Discord that I still stay on. You know, I'm obviously an on it on NRG. I read most of what goes on on Sunday Slaughter, but you know, like really all the old Discords, which I barely look at anymore. Read through nearly all of them and got to the point where I even posted a couple of times. My God. That's how that's how bored I was that I even posted something. But uh, yeah, I mean, Castley Rock's a bit of a dark place these days. Uh, it's, not, it's not so fun and fun and happiness over in uh, Castley Rock. It feels a lot like um, there's a lot like old Dragonstone without um, uh, a we're all in to get in it together kind of feel that oh, Dragonstone cut yeah, has. It's cutthroat. Has. Dragonstone's slightly a less, super happy place these days. It's slightly less salty in Castle Rock. Um, it's more just kind of like knives and backstabbing um, and people just being generally angry. Um, which, yeah. to be honest, is, is actually... Castle Rock is dark, you know. Dark like they, they, they... <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah. It's definitely interesting. We'll talk about Lannisters, obviously, in a little bit um, later on. But yeah, um, cool, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Games have continued. Um, people are still playing, which is great. The Lockerbie's uh, team league has basically come to an end. I think the only game outstanding is actually being played right now against um, Carl Kirsten and Azanai, where they had to pause their game because something came up. They're just going back to finish the second half. Um, but that will be finished in the coming couple of hours. Um, aside from that, um, I don't really think there's actually been that much in terms of like the online scene there really hasn't been that much gone on in the last week um no major pieces of news nothing really changed uh except one thing i guess um which is war council got another update and they fixed some of those problems that we spotted yeah on but monday they... right or on tuesday yeah, it, was, it was on monday or maybe on tuesday i can't remember um did they fix all it's of the problems? It's getting too coincidental though? now. 
Did did they fix all the problems? No. Well, no. I mean, are the Queen's Men stat a problem? Uh, can I say yes, even though I don't actually know the answer to that question? Uh, mainly because nobody knows the answer to that question. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the Queen's Men stat line is still uh, not the 764s that we thought. Um, also, as people have found out more, more, I guess, randomly, uh, Thornwatch, the card for Thornwatch and the abilities give it uh, loyalty Renly Baratheon. But if you actually flip the card over in War Council, on the reverse, it says Stannis Baratheon loyalty. <laughs> um, so there's a, another classic that we're slowly getting through. Uh, I feel like if we mention... Uh, yeah, I never even thought to look at the, uh, the loyalties. I mean, they yeah. are right, yeah? They don't like some things do have Renly Baratheon loyalty, yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's actually the most interesting thing. If you look at the reverse of Rose Knights, which have Renly Baratheon loyalty, they have Renly Baratheon loyalty on the back of the card. Yeah. So it's clearly some mistake in the uh in the um Excel spreadsheets where they've given it Renly loyalty as a name, but then actually tagged Stannis loyalty or something. I don't know. Uh, I know, I know. Mickey basically goes into the app and hacks, hack, hacks this information out, right? But I can't believe that they actually use an Excel spreadsheet, right? Like, I think that's just what you get out. Yeah, I don't probably. think it actually is an expert. I really hope it's not. <laughs> it'll be, it'll an be Excel a Excel spreadsheet. No, it'll be a because it's there'll be CVS files, right? Which is an Excel conversion of a database file. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, standard thing. If you, anyone works in admin, they'll know what a CVS file is as a like a download from a, a database. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's that's still a thing. Um, but it's good. It's good that they did fix some of the problems. I think it's one of those things. Obviously, changing it over to the new system, I will give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of like teething issues. Um, but I hope it gets resolved quickly. Um, I hope that it gets going because if it's a continuing issue especially stat lines as we spoke about last week is is a real issue um mm -hmm. all right then so yeah that's kind of kind of it really for news um in terms of like what's actually been going on uh the game Not is much. the game is quiet and I, I mean quiet as in everyone's just playing games that's that's it. That's, yeah, it's it's like business as usual, um, which is also a problem on the reverse side, right? Because we were expecting at some point in Q1 of this year, which you know we still got a couple of weeks of Q1 left, um, where we were kind of expecting releases. Um, we that's are true. kind of maybe do we expect them in April? Golden Company. We're kind of waiting to see the Stark starter box. Which has seen release in some countries, but not all countries. Um, is it out in the US? I think the Stark starter might be out in the US. Yes. Any, anyone in the chat? Any but, any NAs in the chat? Got you got a Stark starter set in the US. You got yeah. a Lannister starter set in the US. We but have Lannister had, in the Europe. We have Lannister in Europe. We certainly have Lannister in the UK, definitely, and I'm pretty sure in Europe as well. The Lannister starter one has hit Starks. Not sure. Um, Certainly not in the UK. Uh, what else are we waiting on? Stark Heroes and Lancer Heroes 3, which were due for, mm. or touted for a release um, late February, and it's... They're not out. Um, 
we've got a lot of things just kind of like waiting. It is out in the US. The third one is out in the US, so that's good. Um, and that's something. But, but it's obviously uh, no, nobody's seen nobody's seen um, Heroes Three of either, right? No, no, they are completely untouched as it stands right now. Um, but there's you know there's and there's lots of other things in the pipeline that we're aware of um, that are due out in some time. Um, so yeah, uh, other stuff. Uh, Bear Riders have seen as he release and uh, have been randomly released in different countries all over the place. Uh, still not in the UK, right? Um, Chariots still not in the UK, great. Um, <laughs> it's uh, Man, still waiting on them in the app. So oh, Drown Man, nice. yeah, they're not actually uh, officially but, released yet, are they? Yeah, they haven't actually seen a physical release anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. It's so I'm... it's actually so hard to keep up with these days. Like I actually yeah. just I actually don't know. I, I really just don't know what I, is I'm not even gonna sit not. here and lie. I genuinely feel that we are the only place that tries to collate this information together in any semblance of form <laughs> outside of the French uh fr where they try to keep like when things have been released that their little graphic I've shown people before is useful, but they're just going off release dates that they get given. Um I do think it's a massive issue for new players, and it is definitely something that you know is worth considering. But people should have a list of releases and when they've been released. In fact, I'm going to throw it out there: Why the hell hasn't War Council just got a nice little thing for each box saying when things are released? That would be really helpful. Well, um, I mean, they'd they'd be held to those dates then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Drown Men are released out in Singapore. Yes, Brian, technically they are out in Singapore in the same way that Stark Heroes 3 is probably out in Singapore tomorrow, uh, or next Friday, or Martel's, which will be out in Singapore in about three days' time, which is obviously a lie, but you know, actually, I could be completely telling you the truth by the time three days passes. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's a bit of a question where things are but it's fine because we don't actually need the releases that's the funny thing right it doesn't feel like the game needs the releases which is a good thing um i guess that takes us onto the meat and potato of today's discussion the meat and potato being the meta anagram yeah see clever um so uh carlo hates the word meta uh, it is meta itself is just an anagram to be fair. Um, so uh, if people don't know, um, it simply just means the most effective uh, basically answer, the most effective things you can run. That's all it really means. Um, and we have been discussing and we always have discussed uh, on Tony Ground, as you all are probably aware, what is actually doing well and what isn't doing well. Um in surprise to literally nobody, Free Folk, but I say Free Folk, specifically Mance is still doing very well. Yeah. Um, you, have to change, you have to change that starter graphic. You yeah. have to be, be Mance going, yep. Yeah, and he is. He's rising. Um, and we are seeing uh, some the other commanders coming up. Uh, you know, we, in the top 10 now is looking like, like the, effectively the Free Folk average is within the top 10 of commanders. Um, we are seeing the likes of Weeper, Steer, Torment coming up as well, 
who have all, always had positive uh, ELOs, but never nearly as high as Mance. Um, I'm going to straight away say, uh, is Mance a problem for for the game, do you think, at his power level? Because he's currently looking like the, the thing to beat. Like, no. No. No, not, like, he, he, not... Not in the same way that Offal was, not in the same way that MOD was. Um, he, I think his dominance is nowhere near as high as theirs was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is definitely true. Um, especially if we consider, like, one of the things we can discuss at length, you know, is ELO might be rising because it's consistently maintaining a high win rate. But actually, like if you take top tables, if you take players playing at a very competitive level, if you take a lot of those scenarios into account, when we talk about the awful lists of old, the awful didn't it didn't have a consistent loss to anything. Um, whereas Mance can get beaten by other stuff out there, um, and people can list build to counter free folk, which brings me on to a whole other problem, which I'm not going to discuss right now. But uh. Yeah, I'll agree with Peter, which is, and, yeah. and it's something that we've always said, which is Mance is a problem for free folk, right? Definitely. Like, oh, 100%. Because he, he, he is stand like he is a standout, clear best commander without without a fraction of a doubt, right? Mm-hmm. He's actually a very good NCU, but it doesn't even really come into discussion very much because he is so dominant as a commander mm-hmm. inside the faction. He's not dominant as a commander and as a list in the game as a whole like you know he is he is in their discussion as prob like i do i do think he's probably the best list out there currently um yeah maybe you know i i think there there is there is still john uh there is john knight's watch uh which i think is i personally think is doing the rounds with the ranger hunters uh, I think there's still some other night's watch stuff to be explored um you know i, I i'm sure there must be Donal, Benjin, um, you know, so, some others with actual... People seem to do really well with Vargo Night's Watch for whatever reason. I think they just really want the expert duelist. Is like, is Bob. that is that because you've just been watching a lot of Bob? Because Bob's been running a lot of Vargo uh, Night's well, Watch. I mean, no, I've, I've only just, like, I've only been looking at the stats and, like, mm-hmm. Vargo at, Vargo Night's Watch actually just has a very high win rate a very low play rate but a very high win rate now it could well be skewed by some very significant players playing most of those matches um because he's so rarely used that is very possible whereas you know that's not a case for popular commanders at all mm-hmm. um but yeah you know so next watch there's plenty of things like nice watch still just are a powerhouse faction but like now that awful isn't such an obvious clear winner John is still quite standout, but you know, like I do think that there are other options in amongst John. Um, Pogs, Drogo stands out as people's most common pick, um, but I think that there are other commanders worth picking too. Um, and then all the other factions, you know, they have some specific builds. They have one or two, three commanders that you know see regular play. Mance is a standout in his own faction but not in dominating the game 
as a whole. In my opinion, at the moment, we haven't seen any really, really big events, I would say, yet. Um, nothing, um, nothing online, really, that's been an open entry, full, full tilt, go at it, competitive event. Uh, I'd like to, I'd, I would like to see one of those come up soon and, and kind of see what wins. Um, we, we've seen uh, the team event recently come to a close, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not quite the same. Obviously, we don't, we don't just see players going, getting matched up by their win rate. We don't see open entry of army lists because there's control around not duplicating factions, control around not duplicating uh, the same characters. So, yeah, I, I, I think that Mance's rating as number one is correct. I don't think that there's a huge margin to number two. Um, that that's just an opinion, really. I guess mm -hmm. that's fair. Um, what's actually what's what's really interesting is we aren't seeing, uh, we aren't seeing really anything stand out. Which is, we spoke about it briefly. Uh, when we would basically when we when the um patch came out, right when the update came out, we spoke about it briefly being a case of if something was truly broken we'd find it out straight away and it's not being found out and it's taking longer to get there uh whoops um what's to me is quite interesting is and i do think that something is kind of coming to the fore here a little bit lower activation lists are seeing play more mm -hmm. consistently than they were and they are seeing wins more consistently than they were. Two NTU lists are seeing more play and seeing more wins. Um, now, obviously, an increase in play rate we've discussed before is going to impact those numbers directly because if you're simply playing more games, you're going to win more games. Um, but in terms of percentage is the important thing. It's the two versus three NCU matchup that matters. It's the seven versus eight versus nine activations that matters, not the actual just seven activation wins because, yeah. Seven versus seven. Of course, the seven's going to win. Um, so those things have have stable. I, I use the term stabilized quite loosely, but the the data I have looked at, it's better than it was. Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's still not amazing. It's still obviously favoring high activations, but it is better. Um, I think there is a genuine discussion for a lot of factions whether or not a third NCU is necessarily the best pick. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think that there's definitely discussions to be had over a lot of things. Um, what is an observation from myself, which again is something I kind of mentioned last week, but I still find it hard to kind of like um, articulate it properly, is I do think that the game is more swingy in that because the way scoring works, it's very hard to just go out and win a game and crush it from a very early stage, unless your opponent is making consistent mistakes. Um, you will take an advantage, and then that advantage can be lost. We, we've seen games before, haven't we, Carlo? And a, a lot more, it feels like now, where you'll be like losing, 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 but not significantly. Then all of a sudden, just the cards start falling down. And you suddenly, I mean, we saw, uh, I think, Bob with his Ranger Hunters literally clear off nearly an entire Greyjoy army over like two rounds, and he won the game from a position where he's basically lost. Um, I think that's good. 
And I will say, I think, I use the term think very loosely here, I think we're seeing less percentage of straight-up crushing victories and losses. But we are seeing more wipes, which means we're still seeing more crushing wins and losses. Mm. We're seeing I less think, uh, 5 PvP or like, greater margins, I think is the important bit. Yeah, I, th I think that the game has shifted significantly into um, it, into its it, it's, it's battle component, you know, its fighting component. It, it's what most people think that a tabletop game is going to be about. Um, coming at it from, you know what I mean, like just like the, your first entry into it, you think it's going to be about units fighting each other. Um, and I guess that's a positive thing. Um, I do think that it makes it, it, it is it is very significant that factions can seem to bounce back from at least one bad turn. Like, I, I definitely agree with that. You are less dependent upon that first initial tempo play. And because you're less dependent on that first initial tempo play, you are less dependent on that activation count. And that's really kind of where these two things connect. Um, and I, I, I do agree. I, I've been seeing some lower activation counts doing particularly well. Um, you know, I, I've, I've watched the game. The game that you can watch, it seems, almost any day of the week is Mikhail playing WAP, right? Like any day of the week, it seems that you can watch Mikhail play WAP. And, uh, and, and WAP, uh, WAP, WAP's been showing that Lannisters can still do well if they build in a very significantly different manner now. Um, it, it's it's a very specific matchup. You know, we are basically just looking at Lannisters playing into yeah. Greyjoys again yeah, and again and again. Like they they are repeatedly playing variants on similar lists. Both of them, you know, like they are always changing lists subtly. We're seeing a few different commanders, a few different unit variations. Interesting that WAP is doing quite well while still falling back very heavily on some of the really nerfed units. You know, like. Still red cloaks. Um very big that. Um we see we see Joffrey still getting used at five yeah. points. Tyco Tyco appears in one and, and Tyco as well, five. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um and it shows like how significantly they were the best units in the past, and how even though those units have been nerfed and others have been buffed. They're still probably the best options. They're still probably the best things that Lancers have to play. Um, so that is why Lancers are in a tough spot because yes, we can point at like, oh, this got buffed, this got buffed. That you know, the only one that really seems to matter is Knights of Castle Rock. Mm -hmm. That is the only unit that is like actually now worthwhile, whereas previously it wasn't, and it still only occupies a category of like. Do I want it over flayed men? Like it hasn't actually really. It's not like a new thing that knights uh, that Lannisters have now, right? It's mm -hmm. just they have an option instead of flayed men if they want it. Um, whereas all their significant powerhouse units have gotten significantly worse. But it is very interesting if you look at Wop's list. They are low activation count. They are generally six to seven. I think you know. I think they're mostly seven. He plays a four and a three, a four three, um, which is a list which I never used to field. You know, I always used to field five three as Lannisters, um, 
and and been doing quite well with it. Also, we see we see attachments. You know, we see, yeah. we see Ramsey with Theon. You know, like two point attachment being used there. You know, he says he says in his own words that he sees them both as one point attachments, right? But you just mm-hmm. got to buy them. They they come as a pair. But it's uh it's an interesting landscape, and I do think that when you look at it from the outside, right? When you look at it from a top view, the lower reliance on high activation count, the removal of some of the most dominant things, the lowering of the dominance of three NCUs, the you know wide variety of factions that we are seeing able to win these so far smaller events, you know, like we have seen an amount of free folk doing very well recently uh but there are there are a, a, a little scattering of all sorts of things doing well mm-hmm. um you know we've seen i mean this is just a a snapshot right we've seen night's watch targaryen greyjoy baratheon free folk and stark quite a few free folk quite a few night's watch still and a fair few Baratheon, but we've seen, what, one, two, three, four, five, six factions win events in 2021. Um, oh, there we go. Uh, we saw, we've seen uh, six, act, uh, six different factions um, win events in 2021 um, so far, which, as Carlo was saying there, is very, very good. Uh, continue with your point, Carlo. Go on. Well, yeah, I was just saying, you know, like, um, I don't know what you did and didn't catch, but, uh, you know, we see lots of Night's Watch winners, but we're starting to see Baratheon winners. Starks are considered very, very strong. You know, we still see Targaryens in there. Um, And and yet it is Free Folk that we're talking about as the dominant faction. But right there on the screen right now, we're not looking at even, um, you know, a Free Folk winner in the last week, in the last two weeks or whatever it is. Um, and yet we're here discussing their dominance, right? So they're not that dominant. Um, and, uh, I'll be really, really interested to see what comes out of, uh, there's a big Spanish event. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mikhail, I, I am aware. Um, yes, I am aware that the Valencia tournament, they closed the tournament after like halfway through the second round. So. <laughs> Ah. yeah um that, <laughs> that that's that's kind of what happened uh i, I did want to check in with uh what went wrong with those guys but there is a big event in uh Scot- in scotland in spain as i was saying um just coming up this weekend and it's not just spanish entrance we'll see we've got some italian entrance we've got some french entrance um so this is one of the biggest physical events um that we've seen in a long time um and you know, like it'll be of comparable size to the Always Winter Scottish GT. Yeah. But more than that, it seems to be more of a melding of people from different areas, right? Like mm-hmm. the Scottish GT, it, you know, it was exclusively English player, UK players. Wow, <laughs> nearly, nearly. Uh oh. <laughs> it was it, but 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 interestingly, but like what I actually, you know, that that slip was, I was about to say, it was by majority English players, right? Like it was actually 
more English players than there were Scottish players in Actually, the Scottish GT. I will say, I think there was a decent... Com- I, I would almost go saying that like 40% of them were Scottish. I think yeah. so. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's strong. You know, but, but, yeah. but but these are you know these are the same uh, UK regulars that we would would see at many many tournaments who will play each other up and down the country um, with good regularity over the past year or so, uh, but know each other online all that kind of stuff. I not knowing these players as well, I would say that this would be the first time a lot of these players will ever have played each other, ever have met each other. Really been to see Jasper, you know, President these Italian players coming over, as well as a number of French players. This is a very, very interesting event, and I'll be very excited to see what comes away from this. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, obviously, we can't check out any of the lists as it stands right now. First of all, lists haven't been locked yet. And second of all, if we did show you anything, that would be terrible because C.1, lists haven't been locked yet. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it is looking really interesting. It is looking, it's certainly a, an event. If anyone is looking to see kind of like what gets fleshed out, you're seeing some of the better Italian players make the journey. A couple of uh, players from France, so Chabalot uh, and Titus. Um, certainly Chabalot is one of the guys that did very well in France in an event that they did at one of the larger events in France. But he's uh, you know, a very good player from France. And obviously, you'd expect some of these uh, Spanish players to be pretty damn good. Although, as Mikel says, he can't be able to make it himself. So, you know, we'll see. <laughs> no, um, yeah, no, I expect it to be a good a good battle. And we'll see how it all kind of, like, wraps out in the end. Um, and the winner will be invited to the uh, Invitational, to yep. the GT. So, uh, really hoping to add... Uh, I had one more big name and uh, really see who comes out on top because this is this is a big event. This is a good event. A decent size and, event, um... yeah, definitely. Um, one thing uh, on on the topic of like inverted commas meta and discussion I wanted to have was um was actually a uh, a thing about strategy, right? Um, game plan, strategy, or whatever, right? Uh, on this topic now. Before we've not talked about this too much as per as directly onto any ground, um, or the idea of having like a gameplay plan before going into a game, right? Um, something that's occurred to me over the last kind of couple of weeks of the new meta is that I think game plan is more important now than it ever used to be. Um, specifically, I think, and I noticed it in a game against WAP myself that I played the other day. Um, we deployed and we had contrasting and we talked about it after the game actually about what how we thought the game was going to be played and essentially it was one of us came on the table here with the intention of not scoring victory points and just trying to kill the opponent and it was quite clear that that was the game plan about halfway through the game but because the other person had tried to score victory points they had given up too much ground in the process um thus leaving themselves like weak their units low and basically run out of control tools they'd run out of tools to stop the killing um because they tried to control the game in other ways um it was certainly something I wanted to bring up it's interesting that you put it that way because uh, mm-hmm. i would really disagree with the initial statement that game plan is more important probably right? yes um I, I think that that's the wrong way to put it what i think is 
interesting is that I think that there are way more ways to win the game now. Yes. Right? Like, or fighting versus controlling objectives are now either equally weighted or, in my personal opinion, it's now relatively heavily into the fighting. Um, in most matchups, most game modes, um, it's very heavily weighted towards that, right? There are still some game modes in significant heavy free folk. Fighting, winning by fighting is not really an option. You will not table them. You will not get through that many units almost exclusively, and you won't score enough victory points in doing so, right? So that's kind of like a big spanner in the works. But generally speaking, right now in nearly every game, my game plan involves fighting, whereas in the past, it almost definitely didn't. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think that that is a big change in the way that people now might need to approach the game. And this is quite counter to what I think was nearly always the best strategy before the season one update, right? Before the change to commander scoring, right? That's the only thing that's really changed. Right? Yeah. That's the, that is the biggest change of season one. That and awful, right? Awful, <laughs> yeah. mother of dragons and, 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 and commander scoring of the three things that have changed. Yeah. Everything else is just is just twiddling, right? Like mm-hmm. everything else was not a big change to the game, has not shaped the game, has not shaped the tournament meta in any way, except for those three things. Now, personally, I think that your game plan matters less now. Because, okay. but by that, what I mean is in the past, if you didn't have a very specific game plan for how you were literally going to get to the objectives first and score, you would lose flat out yeah. because you did not have enough time to recover from that initial setup position and that initial movement onto the objectives. If I got there first with the right units and the right matchups, I had just won the game. Yeah. Right. And so I actually felt like in the past, a very specific and exact game plan was very very important mm-hmm. into understanding most game modes yeah now i believe that there are more routes to winning you can play an objective style game if you really understand the matchup i would tell you that you should basically lean a lot more heavily now towards thinking about fighting first but that you need to be far more reactive to what like happens and that your game plan has to be a lot less specific now. So like mm-hmm. I think that the idea that a game plan, a game plan in the biggest sense of am I going to score objectives versus am I going to fight is now an actual question, whereas in the past there wasn't a question. You just play objectives and, and the fight is like just <laughs> a couple of objectives. Yeah. Whereas now I would say there is a genuine question like, do I want to fight this army? Can I fight it one-on-one? Or do I need to force it into an objective game? Can I force it into an objective game? But the specifics of how you go about that will now have to develop over a longer period of time, and you will have to be far more reactive. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that the game plan has changed. Like The plan for almost everybody has changed in some way. Um, And I think that's good that it's far more reactive it's far less scripted in a way like i used to feel like the whole first three rounds were scripted and then like the fourth round was just whatever's left i'll just you know like score the last points here 
Yeah. Um, you know, see what crazy thing happened in the third round or didn't, game's basically over. Yeah. Right. Now the game plan has to be far more responsive in my mind. Um but uh I I think that that's a good thing. I do think that that is um a, a whole new skill to learn for for people who have been playing my style, you know, like, and and there are a lot of people who have, you know, like I'm not this isn't some unique thing that you know me and you used to do like lots and lots and lots of good players online players by large majority all played to this style mm-hmm. um and people are having to relearn how to actually win a fight like win how to kill units how to gain the upper hand over a long period of time and in some ways they're having to learn the fundamentals of the game again because i feel like what I understood was the pure defensive fundamentals, which were like, I, I know where I need to be and I know how to defend that position once I get there. But I don't know how, I'm nowhere near as good as at forcing my exploits on my opponent, forcing my opponent into a hole because mm-hmm. never had to do that in the past, right? Like, mm-hmm. just do it first, get there first. Um, and, I, uh, oh, yeah, go on, keep go on. going. Well, I was just going to say, like, I do agree that, may, you know, like, it's a bit early, but, and I haven't played that many games, right? Yeah. I've watched quite a few. I do agree with Blood Raven that I think that current setup with one or two less VPs, you know, let's start with one. Like, playing the game to nine would probably be the perfect sweet spot. Yeah. Because at the moment, I think that an objective control game where you don't have a good matchup in the fight because like you know your opponent just has you beat right like there are some matchups where your opponent just has you beat for whatever reason and you would like that person to still have a route to win mm-hmm. and if we called it 9 vps that might feel better with me but um yeah, I, I I do think that the game has a lot, a lot decided on the table right now, and I think that's for the best. Yeah, I I was actually going to say in terms of like relearning the skills and things, and then go on to a point that someone's made in chat as well, which I've not looked into, and I thought it'd be quite interesting to look at it here on Tony Ground and discuss it. Um, but uh, the the idea of like learning aggressiveness. Um, and I actually think it's very interesting, and we talk about, like, Mance is a good example of this, right, is that there are commanders out there. I think Roos is another very good example of this. Ironically, neither of these aggressive commanders, but they are commanders that afford you defensive tools, which you can then use your list building in terms of your unit picks and your other attachment picks to create aggressive units. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I think that's very interesting is you're not looking for aggressive cards per se, because aggressive cards have to be used with aggressive units to get your maximum damage output. Whereas you either choose, I want defensive cards with aggressive units or aggressive cards with defensive units. And a defensive unit has the problem in general with things like hitting on four plus where you can just low roll and yeah. hitting on a four plus with a low roll sucks because and I, it, I don't know how many times it used to happen uh, back in 1.6 where everything hit on 3+, plus, right? But in 2021, I can count... I can't count, in fact. There's that, been, that many instances 
where an attack has done zero damage, either through a combination of no hits or like one or two blocks, and that was it. It's actually really common now. Um, that's a problem because in terms of action efficiency, that's about as inefficient as you can get. What did you do? Nothing. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, that that's that's an issue. And it, the four plus type units rely a little bit more on the rolling side of it, where it's like, did I roll well or didn't? Whereas if you got three plus units, in the case of free folk using raid leaders, hence raid leader highest attachment for free folk. Um, it enables you to go, right, I can have a slightly more aggressive tuned unit or units aggressively tuned that I can then go and put damage out with. Um, Warcry obviously still uh, having, you know, as much as I thought Warcry would drop off because of the explosive side of Warcry is not going to be relevant. Uh, Warcry still has a huge amount of value because if you're putting out 10 extra tokens across a game, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um um so yeah uh i do think that's that's worth considering in terms of the balancing of that which actually is very interesting when we consider something like starks um a lot of what they have is aggressively statted a lot Mm -hmm. of their cards are aggressively statted a lot of their commanders that are doing well we look at great john who's doing okay eddard specifically is doing very well and what are they they're units that are aggressively statted and they have defensive techniques within them eddard has defensive cards and aggressive cards okay he's got a mix mormont veteran is the most possible or plausible start sworn sword attachment one of the most mm-hmm. defensive one point attachments in the game um Absolutely. it's really interesting um i think there's a very fine balance between that to hit now the reason i was going to look at this is i was actually going to look at specifically commanders when people talk about aggressive commanders or defensive commanders in terms of what's doing well. And I did have a very quick look at this, because this is obviously fresh, this is all fresh data, in terms of this has only been since the unit resets, right? So, so what we should, uh, just quickly, this is actually, I don't know if he's here today, mm-hmm. this is a question that Carl asked last week, and mm-hmm. we didn't actually answer, because, you know, like time dragged on. Uh, and also, um, somebody asked in the Discord as well, mm-hmm. um, around the unit rankings so the the question that carl asked specifically was um why are all the stark units the top rated units but starks aren't top rated right this is um easiest way to explain it is is that unit rankings were reset on um on the change to season one um and so what the unit rankings represent right now is they represent which unit have been involved in an upward trajectory. Yeah. Right. So they represent the changes since season one. So here we see Eddard Stark, looking at just commanders, is the highest climber since season one change of all the commanders. He's not the number one rated commander in the game. But he has been seen the most improvement mm-hmm. in that change. See, Mance, you know, mm-hmm. Mance has improved since that change. And again, that comes back to I believe that insignificant is such a powerful keyword now with the change. Like, yep. you know, Luke said, mentioned earlier, you know, like how they haven't improved. How is he, how is he dominant, right? I do believe that free folk 
as a whole, and, and Free Folk Raiders, who are now the number one rated unit yep. in the game. Yeah, yeah, by far. Um, I believe that they really did improve. Um, I joked a little bit about the improvement to the attachments and that they have adaptive, therefore it is linked, you know, like, yes. But really, Insignificant has taken an even bigger role now that points are harder to come by. Yeah. But overall, what we see is we see Eddard as a big riser, Great John big riser, Baylor big riser. If we dropped all the way down to the bottom, I'm sure we'd see, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure we'll see. They won't see loads of play, but I'm sure we'll see Offal and MOD. And, you know, like they will be like some of the big fallers down there. There we go. Offal, second biggest faller, mm -hmm. right? What's, you know, what's everybody's saying like he won't he won't correct himself. Well, well, he will. You know, what I mean, it will take time. But there he is. He is falling. People are playing him, and he has lost ten ranking. He is the second biggest faller since season one, and that is with most people actively avoiding him. Right? Like it That's... takes gameplay to see new new stats to see changes in the ratings. Um, what's, and so, what's super yeah. interesting for me is Euron has seen a great drop. Because Euron and specifically Greyjoys have not changed. Mm -hmm. um, Euron was picking up wins against Othal in 2021 pre-patch. Um, not often, but it was picking up wins. And Euron's dropping significantly with no changes to Euron whatsoever. Which is mm -hmm. weird to me. Um, I don't know well, why that is. but I, I think, I think Greyjoy, Greyjoys are still... Greyjoys are still finding their feet in a lot of ways. Like, I still think that, you know, I still think I still have a soft spot for Dagmar. I still think the coordination tactics is a ridiculously good card. But Baylor Blacktide is starting to rise up as, like, the most significant dominant piece. Well, Baylor in Silenced Men is starting to become, you know, a known feared unit. We're starting the to see him the end of the, you know, third best right. commander rising. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but but again, you always have to understand that everything is an opportunity cost in this game, and and a lot of what the stats ranking measures is it measures the opportunity cost, right? Mm -hmm. And if you've picked Euron, you have not picked Baylor. Yes, right, and so that is one of the reasons why Euron is negatively rated right now. Is is that you know. You could have had Baylor. You could have had somebody else. Yes, your run was free. Baylor could have been free as well, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is why it gets really complicated, guys. Lots of people always used to say things like, they used to go down to the bottom of the rankings and they used to say, that's not right, that's a really good unit. But what they're not thinking about is, is, is it a good unit in comparison to this other unit that you could have had? Mm -hmm. Are Swarm Brothers actually good when you could have picked off the crossbows instead? The answer is no you've missed one of the biggest opportunity costs in the whole game, which is awful crossbows are the best thing. Why did you buy Swarm Brothers instead? Yeah. Right? And so that's what negative ELO is often measuring. It's not measuring, like, how bad are you? Like, are you really, really bad? It's measuring, like, what could you have had instead? Rel right? Relativity, isn't it? It's, all, it's yeah. all the relativity. It's like... As you say, opportunity cost. It's not that Euron's bad. It's just he happens to be the worst of that type to pick. If you can pick Euron, don't pick him. Pick someone else, as you say. Also, it measures impact on the game mm -hmm. in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for you to have a negative impact on the game, you have to be picked. There are some people who are really bad, who have 
no negative impact on the game because nobody ever picks them. Have we seen? Right? We have not seen. This is this is actually pretty good. In the first four weeks, we have not seen a single commander go unpicked. That's a good start. No, that, that's not actually true. Unit don't turn up until they've been picked. Oh crap! <laughs> I forgot that you did that. Uh, Fifty-six. How many commanders are there? Like seventy in the yeah. game. There's 80. Wow. Yeah. So actually, I lied there. Uh, wreck on that. There's 24 commanders. That's a lot, actually. Well, 24 commander combo, because some of them will be neutrals, of course, uh, that haven't been picked. Um, um, okay, just because just I might have confused people with this whole discussion. Uh, just to look. No, so Stark's One Swords are still the best, as far as the site can measure are the best choice you can make for Starks. Starks as a whole, what we're measuring is the Stark improvement. Mm -hmm. One of the things that has improved Starks as a whole is the fact that Starks One Swords are now amazingly good. Right? Mm -hmm. Starks One Swords are measured to be the best Stark unit since the change. They're not necessarily the best unit in the game. They are causing a big upward swing to Starks in general. They are probably your best choice in Starks. Certainly at five points. If you're looking for a five-point unit... Or, or at six with, or a, at six with a moment veteran. <laughs> if you're looking for a six-point unit, uh, it, you know, berserkers, naked berserkers, naked... Um, she bears naked uh cast like spearmen they're probably just not as good as picking starks on sword mormon veterans um which is a shame obviously like it's a it's a massive shame to have a six point unit which is a one point attachment and a five point unit to be just straight up better than a six point units but what i would say is that it has some hope in a very veiled sense in that attachments have value Right. The problem is, it's like we know attachments have value. We know, especially Mormon veteran, because it brings hardened is a ridiculous ability. We know that had value anyway, so it's, it doesn't really feel like a learning curve with that particular uh, attachment. But uh, but yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, commander-wise though, uh, Eddard, the biggest winner so far. You're on the biggest loser. Um. But actually, one of the things I was going to discuss and wanted to point out is that people talk about aggressive commanders really going up. Now, I will say that Great John, as an aggressive commander, which he is, he's also had the help of a lot of Stark changes. So I think as much as he was going to go up, uh, I think that's partially just because he's changed a lot anyway. Uh, he is just better when he used to be rubbish. Whereas Baylor's not particularly aggressive. Um... Jamie's not aggressive, Mance isn't aggressive, Tormund has seen a lot of rice. He's your first, what I would classically call, an unchanged and untainted aggressive commander coming in at number six. Um, but it's in Free Folk, like we've just discussed. Where Insignificant and the way that that gameplay kind of pans out plays into those styles. Um, it isn't, I mean, Vargo? Is it Vargo? Like... As much as it sounds crazy, admittedly the, the change is getting quite small here. Is Vargo or One True King Stannis? 
in a faction that's seen changes but hasn't as a commander seen significant changes our first real venture outside of the realms of like things where aggressive commanders really benefiting i mean we're not seeing the likes of andrew estamon who should be you know he's a really aggressive commander he should be coming up axel he should be coming up right i mean they you'd hope that they would like baratheons had a long way to come up remember right yeah like Remember this, This, like I say, in the short term, it will level out over time. It won't be It won't be a huge impact in six months' time, what the initial rankings were when it first started, right? But in this initial first couple of months, what it's measuring is the first initial changes, right? And Baratheons have a lot of room to improve, and yet we're not seeing that. You know, Axel, who, you know, like, be everybody's favorite new commander in Queen's Men now, and everybody seems to think that that's going to be an amazingly new improved combo. Has gone got, gone down. Has gone down since the patch, right? Um, I think that Vargo is very interesting. That he um, is as a whole uh, a plus. Um, mm-hmm. This is also a small nuance to it. Um, in the unit rankings, Vargo is considered one commander no matter what faction he's in. Right. So across all factions, Vargo has been considered to be a gainer from the change. That's um, actually interesting. I think that that's because I think that we are seeing more attachments now. I think that we are seeing um, more commanders being useful attachments on the front line in general. Like they're not hiding away in the back backfield, so you can use Vargo in the front line yourself and take out those abilities. Yes, you're not taking away the plus one scoring anymore, but what you are is you're taking away what is roughly generally like normally like quite a good two point attachment. Most commanders, you know, like yeah, good, good commanders half. bring good commanders are a good two point attachment, right? Like yeah. two abilities that you would like to pick up for a point each. Bad commanders generally have like one and a half points of like I would like one of those abilities but not the other and but really I've picked him because his cards are good. Um, but yeah, Vargo Vargo's an interesting choice there, and you know it's questionable whether or not we think of him as aggressive. What he is is gain a bit more of like a control piece. But you're right, like what these biggest rises are are nearly all control. Loki says that Baylor is an aggressive commander. I mean, yes, but what but what Mickey was saying, I don't know whether or not you missed it, you know, you might have only just joined is is what he does is he brings defensive abilities to enable an aggressive unit to really overexpose itself, right? Mm-hmm. You can really stick a unit out there that is aggressive in its stat line and therefore dangerous to like leave it alone and let it charge you and let it get damage on you. So now you feel compelled to hit it back, to weaken it, to try and kill it. And that's when your defensive abilities start to kick in. But when you have defensive abilities on cards or maybe even repercussion abilities on cards, your opponent can't always be sure where and when they will come. Mm -hmm. When the defensive ability is on the unit, your opponent knows exactly which units can be defensive and can ignore them and can focus on the aggressive units. But if the defensive abilities are on a card and all my units are aggressive, then all of my units can be proactive. And when you come 
to attack me, I can choose where I need extra defensive bonus. And I think that's really the key subtle difference between defensive abilities or control abilities, maybe to shut down opponent's damage that either has a bubble effect or just a table-wide effect or just on-demand versus defensive abilities that are intrinsically tied to a specific unit. And that is why I still think that aggressive units are winning out. Um, but control commanders are providing them with the right kind of the backup, the, the, the complete... A safety net that they can then go and overextend themselves and really put hurt on your opponent. I mean, okay, there's a lot of Stark stuff here, so we'll just kind of like breeze over that side of it because obviously the Stark stuff, as I say, massive changes. And as we all agree, the deck and everything having massive improvements will mean Stark stuff. If we all assume that it is getting better, it should be rising. And we see Starks on Swords, which are not particularly defensive unit, very aggressive, doing well. It adds on a guard, which are actually not. They're not, I wouldn't call them not defensive. I think they're quite defensive as unit goes. Aggressive. Tully Cavaliers are a mix. They're a weird hybrid unit. They're cavalry with Lance. They have the package. They come with Embolden, a 3 plus save. I mean, it's 8 point Lance Cavalry. It's what you get. She Bears, they're the exact same stat line as Sworn Swords. They're not defensive. You put Rickon in them. That makes them defensive. <laughs> um, Mag, he's not defensive. I mean, he's defensive because he hits you back when he dies. He's about as aggressive as you can possibly get in the game at nine points with seven dice on threes that ignore armor and vicious. He's about as aggressive as you get. Um, Shaggy Dog, which everybody knows is not a defensive dog. He's a guy who gets slightly hurt and then eats people for lunch and or units, as the case of uh, running him in Great John lists when you run uh, Sacrifice Three Wounds, eat you, then... You do it. You do it again, or you get hit back, and you play lash out, and you attack with like another ten dice. Have you seen that combo, by the way, Carlo? Not in. No, you. It's a legitimate thing. If people haven't seen it, you can run Shaggy Dog into a combat, roll some dice, and like one wound. You'd be like, ideally, you're on one wound or two wounds as Shaggy. Roll some dice and do. Ah, oh, look, there's some damage. And then you go, oh, yeah, by the way, Great John Umber makes him take two more wounds. And, oh, God, my dog's dead. Oh, what a shit. Oh, I've got last stand. So I'll roll another bunch of damage at you. Um, you can take out basically any unit in the game with that combo. It is really freaking scary. Hmm. And it costs you two cards and a dog. Um... <laughs> it, it, it's the combo that, um, like, Dragonstone Nobles want to be. The, the yeah, Dragonstone yeah. Noble-Melisandre combo wants to be it. Yeah. But but Shaggy like... gets to do it instead. Oh, sad. Um, at least on the plus side, the, the meme lives on. Starks don't remember dead dogs, so it's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then we see Swarm Brothers, which are notoriously a defensive unit, right? I'm really, I'm really glad that Swan Brothers, one of the most viable mm -hmm. choices now. Like you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I did think, I did think it was a big shame that that crossbowman just overshadowed them so significantly. Um, yeah. Them and Ranger Hunters. You know, I did expect to see Ranger Hunters as as, as number one Night's Watch unit, they, but they are there. But they're there in together, like they're mm -hmm. effectively both the same. I. Uh, can't believe that Champions of the Stag are there. <laughs> so what's, what's actually super interesting is it's Champions of the Stag and Queen's Men, which are two units which are, 
I mean, it's that they are Baratheon units, so inverted commas defensive, but they are defensive units as well. Um, I wouldn't call either of them very aggressive. And interestingly, they're the best units for Baratheons, which says a lot about the Baratheon playstyle in terms of you can't be aggressive. Yeah. So don't even try to be. Don't bother. Yeah. I really, I really did think uh, I really wanted King's Men to just be like a really good option, but so far they haven't worked for me. You know, like I, I do think that Baratheons are just you're gonna have to lean into lean into champions of the stag, Queen's Men, that kind of stuff. Um, the problem you took. I've got a lot it. more Baratheon work to do though <laughs> before yeah. before I really tell you what I think that where where Baratheons are actually at. I want. I want Andrew in King's Men to work, but I think it doesn't. It's too aggressive. I personally believe it's too aggressive. We go back to the same yeah. problem. You just kind of get attacked back, and then they... You get, you get overextended, Yeah. and you don't have other units to overextend with you, right? Like, yeah. So then all your other units are like, I can defend you, and, and your opponent's like, can they? When I just wipe out that unit, that you're like being aggressive with and then it's like uh yeah so i guess the wardens didn't really do anything to help him did they (laughs) it comes back to list building doesn't it though when you've got uh king's men double wardens or like dragonstone noble dragonstone noble wardens and something else it's like and it feels like you have to run a combo of the two units helping each other but uh don't say barra's not a faction barra is a faction Barra is a faction. Bar ba- is two factions. <laughs> the good bits and the bad bits. <laughs> Not necessarily the same loyalty. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Yeah, I agree with Terra. Like, uh, they're they're just a bit too flimsy for seven points. Um, anyway. Should we see what the worst unit is? Interesting. Get? Interesting I'm stuff. Uh, I do think that we're Ow. starting to see some relatively regular builds coming out um we're starting to see units interesting that reavers are the lowest point are, the what game. the bottom rated unit right now yeah 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 um that actually does it's interesting me. because i don't see the regular Greyjoy players that i watch play on tts right i don't see them using reavers like at all anymore i see them using Simon's men. I see them using trappers. I see them using. Um, I see them using bowmen, right? And I even see them using iron makers, right? The the uh, Victorian. And, and yeah. I see them using lots of neutrals, which is a discussion we had the other week when we talked about Greyjoy neutral inclusion, right? I yeah. see them using hedge knights. I see them using flayed men, right? I don't see weavers almost at all. The right? only now that combo. I think about it, the only combo that I have seen that still exists is the Victorian Reaver combo for the five, the five plus three double activation for eight, which is has been known to be very efficient. But I have seen people running multiple raiders, uh, sorry, Reavers in lists without attachments, and Reavers outside of that one specific combo, I have never seen Reavers on the table, and I yeah. genuinely mean that. And I have seen Reavers in people's lists, and maybe people are just losing with naked Reavers constantly. Um, it's interesting that the few games that I have seen that tried and tested combo, right? The Victorian Reavers. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's just again you can't take too much from the few instances that you've seen. Yep. But the couple of times that I have seen it, it's been Lance Cavalry. 
And it's been a major hole in the Greyjoy player's side, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's been a huge loss. It's been Knights of Castle Rock able to gain eight points worth of value off an eight-point unit, which is an equal glass cannon with it. But the Knights of Castle Rock can go out there and get the charge because normally in all kind of normal advice is taking these two actions to take a maneuver with Victorian, then a charge with the unit's activation is all better, right? Like yeah. that's better. Delay the action, delay the action. Your opponent won't get to act. You'll get to do all these things, right? Um, but it's one of the few times that Knight to Castle Rock, they roll that into one thing. They go cavalry maneuver, then charge, right? And they get to go out there and they get to hit Victorian Reavers before Victorian Reavers hit them. And in combination with a Tywin play, or sometimes a um, in combination with a turncoat play, right? So specifically, the important parts are like avoiding what is dead may never die, really getting few and extra few hits, and really pushing it into the realm of like definite one shot or almost definite, as opposed to maybes. Yeah, and this unit has suddenly become a real risk. Mm -hmm. Such that the Greyjoy player has to play incredibly conservatively, conservatively lively with it, yes. very defensive, and so it's not doing what it wants to do anymore. And now people just aren't picking it up. They'd rather just take Balance Man, Ironborn, um, uh, Iron Makers, or you know maybe just like Trappers and Bowmen. That same eight point they can get Trappers and Bowmen, and at least only one shot one of them yeah um, maybe i do think that maybe has obviously something to do with it i think i'm still hesitant to say that reavers are losing just because of like one or two things but i do i, I do think starks feast on reavers quite well um mm -hmm. you know they don't care about these reavers coming in and going ah clonk because you so and caitlin hit you back and yeah you just die at the same rate as me the difference is is that greyjoys have the healing so if the healing comes out and you don't have the control cards, it gets difficult. Um, it's interesting. I'd, I'd like to see. I'd, I'd like to delve deeper into Greyjoys. I do think Greyjoys more so than Free Folk suffer a little bit more when it comes to the activation race. In that there are good, you know, people talk about silence men. There are good units at seven, not so much six, seven, or even if you're willing to spend eight in the Greyjoy lists. There are good units to pick up. Free folk don't have to think about seven and eight point units really, because at the point you talk about seven, you've got one unit, or you're talking about a five point unit with a two point attachment, which can be played and is a tech inclusion. I do believe there are some worth it, but you're building a very specific unit then, rather than you know the moment you start talking about eight point units in free folk. You're either saying, I'm going to spend eight points on a big unit and go to like a nine activation list with this eight and everything else is just crap. Or I'm going to go run an eight activation list. So can I spend a point and take mag instead? Mm -hmm. it, you don't take an eight point unit in free folk unless you are deliberately trying to hit eight activations. Oh, sorry, nine activations if you can help it. Um, yeah. Whereas I think Greyjoys, when they go up to those nine activation lists, they actually limit themselves. They've got the the Vic Reavers, they've probably got two bowmen, um, and a trapper, or some combination of the three four point units. 
three NCUs for four points. So you've got your overall strategy there, or what, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight activations, and you've got eight points left. And a commander. Yeah. And Which you pick up... almost exclusively what ends up being silenced men with Baylor. And like, Asher for the last point. And Asher, and Asher into Trappers or Bowman yeah. or wherever you like to put it. Right. Yeah, that that that's the combo kind of thing, and the Reavers aren't getting yeah. played outside of that combo. Yeah, like, but I mean, this is this is the 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 best and worst thing about Song of Ice and Fire, right? Desperately would love to take, uh, you know, Blind Baron, right? Like, mm-hmm. you'd love another point. You'd love another love. You'd love you'd love a point for Carl. You'd love a point for this, right? Like, and that's where. Greyjoy sit right now, which is there's a pain point between the eight and nine activations, right? Mm-hmm. For, for 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 Lannisters, you could maybe say for Starks, but like the dogs are generally doing okay for them, so like Starks are sitting quite comfortably at eight right now. But you know, for Baratheons and for Lannisters, they're sitting at a pain point between seven and eight, right? They they would really love to play at eight, but they feel like they sacrifice a lot to get there. The Greyjoys are sacrificing quite a bit to get to nine at the moment, I think. Um, and it's quite interesting whether or not they can and should. It's quite a big question. Um, and then there's a question of, like, if you are going to go to nine, do you want to do it with um, Victorian? Because it is possible to do it without Victorian as well. Mm-hmm. And if you do it with Victorian, you're really going to have to keep this unit alive, right? But it's probably in quite a glass cannon unit. And all your units are glass cannon units. Yeah. Right? None of them have got real staying power. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 think, I think that Greyjoys remain quite an enigma. I think that when somebody really comes and brings that faction together, we could see them start to string together a few tournament wins with them. I think that the faction can do that, that it is viable. Not quite come together yet. Interesting to see that Eric, on the same kind of vein, Eric is the at least powerful NCU for Greyjoy. Something that this is a personal thing. I said in twenty twenty one, I didn't think Eric was good. He turned out being pretty good, and now he's shit. And I don't think there's a reason why he should be. But he is. Um, maybe that'll change when we see things. And he's significantly lowest as actually as well. He's a clear minus eight points ahead of Shira. So he's clearly mm. the worst. Like he's he's almost double um the pointage of Yeah, well I think that um you know, I think that Wendemir Wendemir's obviously very good. Let's have a look, see how he's doing. He's obviously very good. Um I also think that Tristopher No, I don't I don't actually mean Tristopher. Who's the one um who allows you to cycle cards? Uh, Roderick. Roderick, Roderick, yeah. Roderick the Reader is actually... um, He's the second. Quite a good choice as well at four. And then there is now Baron at five. Yeah. And and then don't forget, you know what I mean, just because he popped up right there, you know, there's still Littlefinger. There's still still other choices. You don't have to go native. Yeah. Um, And so... Eric becomes the fourth or fifth best NCU at that point. Yeah. Um, Paul asked, Paul asked, 
how good how good is Riders? I mean, I want to believe that they're all right now. I, I want to believe that they're probably in the middle of the pack. I definitely personally believe that they're playable. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, they're uh, minus 4.6 overall minus in total, four. which is like, meh. Like, that's 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 within the realms of being in the middle. They're, they're, they're not they're, great, but they're not going to the lose you again. They've ever been, Paul. Keep painting them. Yeah. Keep painting those stripes. <laughs> like, to put them in perspective, they're about, well, if this is anything to go by, they're about equivalent as a dragon. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're bad. They're just not amazing. Um, no, I, I'd field them. I'd field them if I wanted to pick up a light cavalry slot. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'd field them on my Stannis side Baratheons for sure. Mm -hmm. um, uh, until until the Lancers come for the High Garden uh, side of Renly. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd, I'd field them in the Renly side too. Um, I don't think I'd field them in uh, Lannisters right now. I'd probably just stay with um, with with Hedge Knights and um, Blade Men. But I do think that basically they fill out the neutral slots of Sources for six, Hedge Knights mm -hmm. for seven, Blade Men for eight. They're all good choices. Mm -hmm. They're all respectable cavalry that any faction can pick up. I just thought, we'd, seeing as we ended up talking, talking about it in terms of what was good and bad, I thought we'd look at attachments. And uh, it's actually Asher, Captain the Black Wind, the one point attachment with Warcry, is actually Greyjoy's worst attachment. Is that is that her? Is that really yeah, the one Captain, point one? Captain the Black Wind is the one point Warcry attachment. So on the discussion of like the the Baron list we talked about with the the one point where you pick up Asher, mm -hmm. it probably is a straight up best investment. Here's a piece of list advice: if we were to believe the stats, it is probably a better investment to pick up Baron as another NCU than it is to pick up Asher, which feels bad. That feels wrong because Asher feels good, but. It feels very good. Yeah, can't like. Maybe maybe maybe, maybe people get too confident about their five five morale. Yeah, uh, but uh, no, no, uh, it's really interesting because Asher is much much complained about, much much maligned as very powerful one point NCU. Yeah, can can we please nerf this? Like, this is too much. Can we not like let characters have this? Um, but um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have put her right down at the bottom. But that's where she is right now. Bron and Dario, though. Sad days to be in neutral. Well, I mean, D D1 saying that it's because everybody's using her and Greyjoys are losing, but like Greyjoys are pretty stable, right? Like, Reasonable. And, and there are things in Greyjoys that are positively ranked. Yeah. I mean, we've already got to go to the, the top she half is, of the table. The first Greyjoy is, we find is if that. If she was used in every Greyjoy list, she would be in amongst the middle of the performers of all the Greyjoys. But it seems that all the lists that don't use her do well, and all the lists that do use her are the ones that are losing. So, quite interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, there is one more point I wanted to discuss uh, before we kind of shut this down and look to other stuff uh, for today. Um, I'm just going to look at the day at Greyjoy trend, because I want to see how Greyjoy are actually performing overall. Um, so, what are we looking at? February... The month, right? February 12th, 13th, 14th, that kind of time. Greyjoys have seen a significant drop since the update. Um, I do wonder, now that I think about it with Commander scoring, Greyjoys... Uh, 
essentially Greyjoys and Free Folk are playing the same game. Except that Greyjoys have units that cost points and Free Folk don't. And it's, that could be the simple difference between the two. I wonder. Yeah, I, th I think that... I don't know. I, I, th I, th I think that they're playing... They were playing the same game. Yeah. Right, like, I think that in the past, they effectively were. They were both playing the... Control the activation control. arms race. Yeah. They were playing the... Who, who can I sit in the corner while you know, filling the board with chaff and not letting you get through to, to that unit kind of game style. I think that since the update, they have diverged myself because I think that the, the, the style that they fight in is very different, right? Like, and, and I think that that's really interesting. I don't. I don't. I want to have. I want to have a deeper, a deeper thing to say about it. But you can't. I, I can't. To. I can't articulate it. I don't know Greyjoys well enough. Like I don't. I think there's something really. There's something there. I think that Wendemere is amazing. Personally, having watched people online, right, and they are actually way more experienced. Way, 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 way more experienced Greyjoy players than me, right. But this is my one piece of advice to those players would be. Don't spend your last Wendemere token. As long as you have one Wendemere token available to you, your opponent has to fear what you might do with it at all times. But I see people spend it and then they're like, oh, and the next thing they do is like, oh, I'll go, I'll go pick it back up, right? But if you always have it, then there's never a point at which your opponent doesn't think, okay, he might just shift three and then charge me, or shift into my flank and then charge me, or he, he might just, like, you know, I attack him, but he just heals and gets the rank back and attacks me back, like, straight away. There are so many uses, and I think that people spend them a little bit too quick and don't hold them for quite long enough. I think that when Wendemere is the key, right? Like, I do actually think that Wendemere is the key to the Greyjoy faction. He is the number one fear factor. Um that the faction have mm -hmm. and uh and i think the people expend him a little bit too fast i would tend to agree yeah. from if you view him as a control piece in terms of controlling the board state right uh it is definitely a resource when i play against a Greyjoy that i look to use and it's like can i position units where you'll be tempted to use windermere tokens to gain an advantage but actually the advantage you're gaining with that windermere spend is so small compared to the advantage that you would gain at a different opportunity it's like ah you're able to shift three forward and attack my unit with a range attack from the bowman and it's like i'm happy to tank three potential hits because that's the average and then take a panic test if you're going to spend one of your control pieces to do that attack on me okay i'll take that <laughs> um and yeah there are uh i do think that that is the case definitely um so yeah I'm I'm still right. I'm still gearing up towards this idea that I'll play Greyjoys soon. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll have some really deep thoughts for you guys about how uh, how to unlock the uh, the secrets, the true secrets of the Drowned God. Mm -hmm. Um. All right then. There was one other thing I wanted to talk about, Carlo, because it is a. I'm going to say it's a problem, actually, at this point. 
Mother of Dragons. She has seen basically fuck all play uh, since the update. She has seen. Uh, I can't. Was the update the fifteenth or the is the no? It was the twelfth, right? Or the fourteenth or whatever? Because they had a the couple of days down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games in total in four weeks, which is actually now, dare I say it, almost lower than neutral play rate, which is not a faction. Not a faction. <laughs> um, yeah. I, um, yeah. My, my solution is pretty simple. Um Take away the two VPs. Yeah, we, we we touched on that last time. Like, you know, like I I think that she's she she's now effectively a normal she's a normal commander now, right? Like she's just a commander, right? She, and she has synergy with dragons. All the cards are related to dragons, mm-hmm. just in the same way that you know maybe maybe more so than anybody else, but not that dissimilar to all of Gregor's cards are related to Clegane units or. You know, all, all all Greyjoy cards are related to Greyjoy units. It's like you can take neutrals if you want, but you're definitely going to have to take some Greyjoy units that you want to play these cards on because I mean, you know they only work on them. You would be literally inane to take Mother of Dragons without at least one dragon. Like that would actually be stupid. Exactly. So she provides no discount anymore. She provides nothing but her cards to those units. And they're not amazing units, right? They're not nerfed beyond playability, but they're not amazing anymore. Um, and she has no attachment ability, right? Except to go and get one card once per game. Yeah, uh, effectively no attachment ability. That matters. Yeah. yeah. So everybody else gets two points worth of attachment, as we were talking about. And instead, she brings an attachment which gives up two VPs. Mm-hmm. So when you look at her in the cold light of day of having removed her Mother of Dragons points reduction, there is no reason for her to give up VPs. Also, when we talk about like Queen of Marine is to all intensive purposes for law reasons the same the same Danny at the same point in history. Basically. Effectively, like I mean, if that's not who Mother of Dragons is, then I don't really know what point Mother of Dragons is because they use the same model, they use all sorts of stuff, right? Maybe Mother of Dragons is just before she gains control of the Unsullied, like so technically it's after Mother Mother. In my head, Mother of Dragons is post Freedom of Marine when she basically end of towards the end of the last books where she basically becomes independent of the Unsullied and the army and she basically starts where Drogon goes off and has a mild, mad one. Um, yeah. It, that's like, in my head. But like, yeah, yeah exactly. functionally the same time period. Yeah. It, it's the same It's the same character, the same point in history to to as far as like the overlap is is large. Like we can't really place which one's which yeah. in, the, in, the, in the history and the timescales. So to say one is suddenly some important character that has to be worth two victory points and the other one isn't has no law basis, right? It was not quite enough of a downside to make old Mother of Dragons not an amazing choice, right? Like it was supposed to be a a downside to make it not really, really the second best thing in the game. Yeah. But 
that didn't work out, right? But you've left it in, even though you took away all of her power. She has no useful stuff anymore. She brings nothing that you would care about. So, I mean, it's such an obvious change because she was by far the most important part of what competitive Targaryens were. And now she's a complete non-thing. So it's so obvious that she's gone from up here to down here. But it's interesting because there are commanders in some other faction that, you know, they have the same kind of play rate. Like, it is it is interesting that there are some commanders who just, they, they don't bring anything to the battlefield worth bringing. Um, and that's where she is now. And it is an issue that seems such a roll-off. Personally, I think if you at least took away her two, two VPs, she might see some play. Um, but again, I'd still ask you, I'd, I'd have you ask yourself, like, what does she bring as a commander now? Mm-hmm. Because it's not very much at all. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the, the last thing is, I mean, if the play rate stays incredibly low, I think people in time might pick up might pick her up and like trying to work out the one or two dragon list builds a lot more once the other stuff in Targaryens has been played a lot more, I think. People will come back, try and work this kind of list out a little bit more. Um, do you think that we'll see an increase in play rate ever? Or do you think it will actually, she will just languish until the next update? When, when a commander is that bad, they don't get played. Like, as much as everybody here says that, you know, like some people just openly say, yes, I'm a competitive player, I play what's good, right? But there are so many people who are like, no, I'm not competitive. No, 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 no. I mean, like, I'd just say, all right, then play Mother Dragons. And people are like, yeah, but no, no thanks. Like, well, okay, so like competitive play does matter, right? Like people play things because they're good, right? You enjoy things because they're good, right? Unless, unless you have a certain thing about it that you enjoy that it's bad. They're the only two reasons why people enjoy things in asymmetrical like systems or, like this. Right? Or they enjoy the theme far much than they actually enjoy, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and you know what? If you really, really want to make a theme, then, you know, she's still there as, 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 as this theme. I think that people will, but it's very interesting that I think that people, even building for theme, will bend over mental gymnastics to now create theme reasons why it's actually Queen of Marine and not Mother of Dragons, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, because to them, they still want to bring something powerful when they play for theme. Like, it, it's people, I think people really, really marginalize. And um, hide the fact everybody is drawn to what is good. Mm-hmm. Unless people are specifically purposefully playing things that are bad on purpose. Mm-hmm. Or the dams of the world who deliberately don't play the best stuff because they don't want to play the best stuff. They want to play the second best, but that doesn't mean picking the worst every time either. <laughs> um, no, but pe- people are, but generally what I mean yeah. is people yeah, are attracted. People are attracted towards the powerful things in the game. Suddenly they find themselves, they find, 
they 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 don't even consciously know that that they are attracted to it for that reason. They just suddenly find themselves interested in it and they're like, oh, and now they're suddenly, oh, I never noticed how great a model that is. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, that's always been my favorite character or something like that. Nobody's really, almost nobody's talking about the fact that like, you know, Belwas is almost everybody's favorite character. Like everybody loves Belwas. Nobody yeah. plays Belwas, right? Because he's just not good. Right? But if Belwas suddenly became really powerful, everybody would be reminding us that they've always loved Belwas and that's why they play him. And it's like, yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying, like, it doesn't hurt that John is really good, right? When everybody comes out here and says, Yeah, but I love John. I just like love John, right? Like, do you know what I mean? I, I love John Snow. It's like, well, it doesn't hurt that he's terrible, you know what I mean? That he's not a bad commander. Mm-hmm. Loads of people love Alistair Thorne, but nobody plays him because he's shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, I will say one thing that I do like about the stats here. Sorry, that I, it's been on the screen for a while now. Anyone who's been looking and being like, um, Ah, uh, Danny's barely got any play games and things like that. I really do appreciate that of the games that she has played, we have seen um, our friendly neighbourhood dragons do uh, an absolute number over on Ma- uh, Mag the Mighty. <laughs> uh, which, remember guys, they changed it so dragons don't just eat ma- uh, mammoths or dragons uh, giants anymore, right? Um, yeah, no, they still do. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, Paul, he only recently found the game chose targs because, hey, dragons, uh, bought in just as it got nerfed. That that does suck. It's one of the things that me and Carlo talk a lot about in that it's a very hard balancing line and a very hard discussion line where you want stuff that's in the lore and that's interesting to be good. Because, mm-hmm. like, like Belwas, Belwas is exactly the right example, actually. You want Belwas to be good because Belwas should be fucking good. He, he he literally, you know, the, the only piece of significant lore that we have about him in one of the first times we meet him, he's like, oh yeah, I fight in the pits, I do one-handed combat with people, I will spar with them. And then we see him walk out and take on a champion of a random city, and he defeats him basically without moving. <laughs> um, and it's like, okay, yeah, this, guy, this guy's fucking good. He walks around and Barristan Selmy, one of the greatest sword masters in the, on the whole fucking planet of Westeros, is one of his best mates. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, this, this guy's fucking cool. And then he comes to the game and it's gone, God, this guy's shite. <laughs> um, and it's it's like, oh, it just makes me sad because he should be good. And we want yeah. dragons to be good. Yeah. But well, no, one's dra- no one wants dragons to be just straight up ridiculous. I don't think, yeah. I, I don't think that Paul should be too sad about the changes yeah. to dragons, right? Like, if depending on your gaming group and all that kind of stuff, you can now far more happily bring dragons to the table and have people not complain, right? One of the worst things is bringing your army to the table and have your opponent complain about it. Um, and so that the army that you want to play is no longer complained about is is one of the best things that can happen to your army, right? I feel way more liberated to go and play Night's Watch now than I ever did because Night's Watch actually really suit my preferred play style and they are a faction that I'm interested in. But 
I took them for a very brief period of a tournament. And then I was like, cool, well, I'm done, right? New new faction because, you know, we've already won on the first try without even really trying. Um, you want there to be some try involved. Um, and if and if what you put on the table is already complained about, then that's not a good situation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Being able to play Dragons now without uh, being that guy is, uh, is, is a much better position to be in. Mm-hmm. I just had a thought, though. I had this thing, right? So Mother of Dragons, mm-hmm. right, has gone from... So Dragons got nerfed. Maybe even put that to the side a little bit, right? Because think about old single dragons and how old single dragons weren't dominating the game. Yeah. Right? They did exist. Some people use the Khal Drogo single dragon. Some people use dragon now and again. Like, mm-hmm. that's where dragons were at, right? Eight points for a dragon was... Probably fine. bang on. Yeah. So actually, in some ways, them getting nerfed was a bit shit. Like, they didn't, they didn't need to be. Mother of Dragons needed to be, mm-hmm. right? This whole discussion kind of reminded me, like, what Mother of Dragons used to bring was a two-point victory point, uh, two-point list-building reduction, right? That's all she did. Sorry, three points. Sorry, three points. Three points. All dragons went down by one. Yep. Right? She reduced your list-building by three points. More specifically, she made eight-point dragons, seven-point dragons. That made her the second-best thing in the entire game, even though she had to buy three dragons, which nobody ever bought and never will buy without the reduction. It meant that you had to have a commander who basically doesn't have any abilities. It meant that you had to give up two VPs when you died. Mm-hmm. Right? And you did all of that to have three more points on the table. And yet, everybody's out here telling me that what they want is they want neutral commanders that reduce the cost of neutral units by one point at a time. Yeah. How are you ever going to be able to stat a neutral unit ever again i mean we also talk uh, just as a on the basically exactly the same topic um which is going back to free folk mance specifically because the card draw is more likely to happen but round one i deploy four more units on the board i have a four point unit on the board yeah you put three and a half to four points on the table and in the very first instance of the game and you wonder why like when i say say about it like if you don't draw those cards you, yeah. The game will be more fair slash difficult. If you draw those cards early, you probably just won. It is as simple as that. Um, it's also interesting when it shows you that if you just waste two points in your list, right, like an attachment that you don't get to use, or, uh, you know, buy two one-point attachments and they never do anything, buy, buy an upgrade to a unit, turn it from a five-point unit to a seven-point unit, and it never does anything important. Like, you're the difference between Mother of Dragons being the best thing in the game and Mother of Dragons never getting played, right? So that is why a Song of Ice and Fire list building is such, such an important part. And and yes, I do hate Golden Company. 
Only because I absolutely fear what elephants might be. <laughs> well, actually, uh... <laughs> to, to be fair, if they're anything like the new war mammoths, now that they've gotten rid of trample, I feel that that would be fine. Like a six-point unit, eight health, three armor, like six morale, takes two wounds from panic, maximum. Like yeah. six dice, a couple of keywords, maybe a token gen. I actually have, like, if you gave mammoths to every faction, I don't really feel that bothered. To be honest, I it'd don't think right. that breaks the it'd game. I think right that's right fine. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting, you know, and... But yeah, Terra's ter absolutely trap. right. You know, it, it's it's taking Rose Knights instead of Wardens to do the job that Wardens were doing anyway, like a, an identical job. Or, or, you know, for old Lannisters, we're talking like taking a unit of two units of Lannister Guardsmen instead of two units of poor fellows, right, to do the same job of just babysitting some objectives, right? That two points is game-defining, right? And that's how people need to think about their list building and how people didn't really analyze the value of Mother of Dragons quite right. Like, you know, she was three points worth of list building for free, and it came with a whole load of negatives loads and loads and loads of negatives but that still made her amazing um and she lost those three points and she kept the negative so obviously she's now one of the worst things in the entire game but if you can take that learning piece forward and understand that single victory point is game def uh, sorry a single building point what do we even call them List point, point. List point, yeah. Point, like... point, point. Um, uh, uh, list building, list building, point, list point, point, list building. The song Ways and Fire, the miniatures game, point list. Um, yeah, they don't actually have a name, do they? Points. Points. <laughs> point. I, point. I've started. One point matters, guys. So, so I've actually started calling them because I feel like I I call everything in the game. I call everything components. Except cards, right? Because cards are not components. You don't, you don't have a component. It's just you have your deck, and it has your unit has tactics cards. They're a separate thing. But then anything when it comes to like onboard presence, I always call components. That's NCU through to units. So I guess you'd call it component points in my book. That would be as close well, as I would get to I giving it a name. That never catches on. Yeah, it's too far too long. Uh, CP. We can call them CPs. There's no other no. big games out yeah. there that use the acronym cps for anything is there nothing yeah we'll go for cps that's it tony ground made it official there's no other games out there that use cps <laughs> anyone who doesn't know warhammer 40k uses cps uh command points i believe yeah command points yeah don't don't do that don't do that um anyway yeah shall we have a look at a few events see and yes, then just kind of wrap up the... yeah yeah um so Hey, so there's the events that uh, people had won. Um, I am just going to very go through this because some of these events did end very quickly. But we had Trash Panda Bats, who won the Long Night is Over, uh, with his Night's Watch. Well done. Carl, Carl's here. Carl, did, uh, did Trash Panda, has, has Trash Panda qualified for, did he go to LVO? And did he get a Nationals he, qualification? He did go to LVO. He didn't get a qualification spot. Maybe, maybe, maybe still... Find a spot. I do believe that West Coast will get itself another regional, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, 
Jasper won House of Orcs 2 of the House of Orcs. Um, the great stuff they've got over there. So well done to Jasper there. Blood Raven we won. We won't go into look at them all, but honestly, go and have a look at that event. Not not now, but anybody who's interested. There were multiple draws. Jasper actually won it with a three wins, one draw record. Um, the person he drew against went on to draw their final game. I would be interested to know, there were so many draws that I'm not entirely sure that they choose to go to points on the table. I think they might just end it at VPs. So we see a 7-7 draw in round... Yeah, they just decided to draw. In round three. And then you'll see, I think, maybe second place or possibly third place. Uh, actually, uh, yeah, this he, he drew. He was the person who was uh, in first place. He drew. And then third place, I believe, actually went and got win, win, draw, draw. Uh, this yeah. person drew against Jasper and drew against um, second place. So uh, interesting. I... I I can only imagine with that many draws going on that they go victory points on table means draw. Um, mm -hmm. If gone to time or if gone to the last round, which, uh, you know, they, that, if that's the way that they choose to play. You know, that's the site, by the way, like people often are like, oh, the site can't cope with X, Y, Z. No, I mean, like you can, you can tell it it's a draw yeah. and it will accept it as a draw. Whatever you tell it is, is what it accepts. It'll take draws, it'll take, it'll ask you. People don't know this as well, because it actually came up in a game where I played. If it's a draw on the table, and you enter it like 9-9, it will then come up with a little box underneath the entry and say how many points were left on the table, which you can fill in. And if you make it difference, you, it will determine who was a winner based on that as well. Um, so if you're wondering, oh, I've got a draw, how do I enter that into stats? Just enter it exactly as it says, and then it'll come up with a little box saying, fill this in. If you want to get a winner or loser. Um, so yeah. Uh, right. That was the House of Orcs. We had Blood Raven uh, win the small event, uh, Templar event in uh, Poland. So well done to Blood Raven. And, Bruce and Baylor. Yes. Uh, Shout out to Peter who beat Masara. Yeah, he did. But he didn't win the but event. not Blood Raven. <laughs> um, <laughs> which has finally happened. Uh Swuster uh, won a nine-player event with his um, Baratheons, uh, Loras and Renly, going double Renly side, which is interesting, as always. Uh, the Valencia tournament was won, actually, by a free folk player. We won't look into that because the results won't be right, um, but it is certainly a thing. And uh, this guy here, who has got a great name, and it's an absolutely great tournament name as well, Sium Sium Maro, who won the Noobski Tourney, uh, <laughs> an eight-player event with his Night's Watch as well. Um, so yeah, um, cool. I think that was a yeah, it was just a one event uh, best thing. So, um, should we actually have a look at some of the events that are running? Yeah. Right. So, I should have opened. I did open a lot of these before uh, before actually starting um, twenty ground, but then I went and closed them all and can't remember which ones are which now. So, um, we've got a forty sixth evening tournament. This is a strange enough evening event happening on Wednesdays in Poland. I don't know who is organizing it. Uh, currently no one signed up, but I believe it's being organized by the Warsaw group uh, that we see quite a lot. So we'll uh, see them probably. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, Tara says that he can't believe those Baratheon <laughs> lists beat anything. Uh... 
I mean, Swooster's always around. You can ask him. Swooster's uh, <laughs> a very strong player. So, um, you know, uh, I, I would say, you know, don't, don't read too much into it. But, uh, you know, just shows that if 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 you're better than if you're better than the players that you're playing against, then it doesn't matter what you bring. Sometimes. Hey, I will say at this point in the game, I do think with there being no standouts, skill is rewarded in the vast majority of time the most. So, yeah. And and you say that, but like, I think that Loris is brilliant. Like, I think that Loris is a really really good commander. Right. You mean you mean overgrowth is a really really good commander card? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Plus, <laughs> plus expert duelist, plus yeah. the combo, um, combo of dauntless. Like he's the full package, right? He's got got a single game defining card. He's got a couple of cards that you can just pass or play or whatever. He's got a unit which synergizes incredibly well. He has two points worth of attachment. Easy. If not three, people practically pay two points for Expert Duelist, plus Dauntless is worth a point. Now, he is everything except an easy eighth activations away from being a top five commander. I also agree that Overgrowth is a good card. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's good. Um so yeah, uh, we'll have a look at the next event. Uh, special shout out to the guys over here. We've mentioned these guys pretty much every week since this started, but the Imjin uh, Barracks event that's happening, um, basically run or being participated in by Scabman, Drogon, uh, Byron and Davies. Uh, there are other people going to the event, I believe, but they aren't signed up. They've got it as an event listed to try and get publicity and pe people can sign up. But actually they are just running a 24-hour gaming charity event um in engine barracks engine uh, station sorry uh, community center at the tabletop gaming um i do recommend anyone in the area in the gloucester area to head down if you can um yeah. and anyone close to get by and uh, a load of the money is going obviously towards uh kind of like aid for soldiers and things like that um uh forces children yeah. and proportion of it now going to um ukraine as well yeah so, so if you sign up uh, or, you know, if you click the link on the site, then it'll take you directly to the Just Giving page and you can choose which of the three charities you prefer to give it to. Uh, is one week left, guys, and there's a really good raffle giveaway with loads of prizes support in there. Coming on £300, he's already beaten, uh, I think it was a £250 target. Uh, but seriously, guys, uh, if we can get him past 300 in this past this last week, Go give money if you can. Uh, if you can't, then just give him your support, like his messages, um, and uh, you know sh help share help share uh, anything uh, that you see on the Facebook page. Um, I'm sure it's all appreciated, and uh, they're doing really, 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 really great things. So um, it's give nice. what you can. It's really nice. Uh, it's nice that people do stuff like that. Um, uh, we've also got the next one up here, the big one we talked about earlier, uh, El Rey. NL Norte. Um, this is something about knights. Anyway, it's the uh, the big Spanish event in Santander, which we spoke about earlier in the episode. Um, if you didn't listen to that, go listen to it back and listen to it on the podcast. So you want to listen to a podcast? Ah, podcast plug. Um, uh, there's also a picture I am going to show you very quickly uh, that was posted up by the guy running the event, which is the price support for the event. They have. Um, 
That's an interesting box there. It's a it's a Cancion El Juelo e Fuego. Uh, I'm guessing that is uh, Spanish for Song of Ice and Fire. I'm guessing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I was supposed to say Greyjoy. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, it's, it's a great Greyjoy starter. Greyjoy starter. Yeah, they've got Stark Attachments one, which yeah, it's good and great. Uh, Ironborn Trappers decent. Night's Watch Attachments one. They're rare. Uh, is that? I can't tell. Is that Lannisters? Something Lannisters. Oh, that? uh, that's Lannister Halberdiers. 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 Uh, nice model. Yeah. Uh, Dothraki veterans, always ask some Dothraki Stormcrow dervishes, which are actually really nice, and I don't see enough of in games. Don't know where they've disappeared to. Haven't seen them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hedge knights, one of the best models ever made, and one of the most converted and/or specially modified uh, things that we're seeing at the moment. And Thornwatch. Anyway, <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, Thorn- Thornwatch aren't terrible. Now? Six points, but they're Stannis loyalty, Carlo, right? Sort of, that's what War Council says. That makes them more playable. Maybe. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, that's the cool stuff as well. And I don't know, but those banners might also be things that people win in the background that we see there. I mean, if, the... if I was going, I'd really love to win a banner, but uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh... <laughs> wouldn't assume it. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't assume. No, uh, but if it is, if you do get to win the banners, that's amazing because banners are awesome. Just like this Lannister one I've got hanging here. Um, so, uh, anyway, that's uh, El Rey en El Norte. Um, we've got also happening this weekend, Bolter, which the Bolter uh, guys, the Bolter store has run events before, quite common. Uh, they've got 16 people signed up for this weekend, mm. um, which is looking good, uh, including that guy who won that event, that noob event. So, well done. Nassara. <laughs> um, Nassara is going... Is there ever a Polish event that doesn't include Masara? Probably not. <laughs> Hajmon. Grishalk, uh, uh, Hajmon. Um, they're the only names I recognize, uh, except yeah. Martel Wen, which is a fantastic name that someone's called themselves. <laughs> With the affiliation, Martel Wen. Uh, what a legend. So, yeah, uh, that's an event happening in uh, Ruklo in Poland. We've got Bring Your Own. Uh, starter box which is also happening this weekend this is in in northampton yeah i um i think this is a really interesting tournament yeah that's really really good to see a strong sign up as well you know like yeah you know i was i was really nervous that it would have like two or three people signed up Mm -hmm. because i think that it's an awesome tournament idea uh and i'll be Come on, where did we end up? I I feel like we went through almost every faction and, and like and the chat. Almost everybody was like, "Oh no, I'd pick." I think, God, it has to be Night's Watch for me. Okay, okay. Ease of play, straight up power, great commander, good NCUs in the box. Yeah, uh, I I and a relentless in the box, right? I assume that they play at 30 points. Uh, I, think, it... I think it is a 30-point event, yeah. Yeah. Um, one army list. I, I think that also favours Night's Watch, because yeah. I think that they're very all-comers. Yeah. yeah. I will say... 
I I I liked the idea of free folk until I was like one army list and one uh thirty points because it's only twelve points in the starter plus two NCs twenty. Yeah, you can only realistically run a twenty-seven point list. Um, yeah, I mean Paul Paul's right. Like targs are up there too. Either I mean I'd I'd run the classic Drogo list. Drogo. Yeah, you've got Drogo, Outriders, Screamers, Screamers, Veterans. You've got Jora attachment. You've got decent enough NCUs. Um, yeah, like, you know, like, I, I, honestly, there are only a couple of factions who are bad out of the starter these days. Um, there was a time where loads of factions were bad out of their starter, but I think that they're nearly all good. Mm-hmm. Um Carl asks whether or not Starks and Lannies have two choices. I mean, I uh, whichever one you turn, I'm sure they'll allow you whichever one you turned up with. But um, um, I think that I mean, like Stark starter sets aren't out in this country, so I think you. I mean, if you turned up with one, I wouldn't turn you away. But uh, you know, I, uh, I I don't think anybody's really got that choice I think, in reality. I think old Starks, though, with um, you'll get. You don't have Rickon, so it cuts out the Rickon style list stuff and Shaggy. But you do get Great John, uh, you get Sworn Swords, you can you don't get more veteran, which is a big loss. Uh, but you do get Outriders in the old uh, old start box, so the yeah. Outriders come in with the Great John. Like, Sworn Swords are good, but you're not talking about Eddard's Honor Guard. You're no. not. You got Berserkers, but you've got no Mormont veterans. Got no Shaggy and Rickon. Yeah, but you, you don't have Eddard. You can run. You have. You can run Great John with Swan Swords, Berserkers, uh, Swan Swords, Outriders, which takes you to twenty six. Uh, no, sorry, twenty two. And then Caitlyn, and who's the other NCU in the box? Uh, Sansa, I'm pretty sure. Sansa. Pretty sure. But that's not yeah. terrible. That's not terrible. No, it's not terrible. But I, I, I but I think that, but I think the Night's Watch are better. Yeah. Right, like. I think that Starks are good, Maybe. but like when you start to put together a strong Stark list, you look for more things that aren't in the starter than you do for Night's Watch. Uh, obvious winner. Obvious winner. How do we not even think about it? Obvious winner. Brathians. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are the single obvious loser in this I, setup, in my I, opinion. Irony, Wardens might not be terrible, and Stagmites in a game like nowadays, I... Are people mm. running Sagnites? That's a thing. I, I think Sagnites might not be shit anymore. And yet, I don't see people running them, so... They, 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 yeah, maybe. Maybe. If your opponent hasn't got the right tool to get rid of them, then yeah, yeah maybe. Uh, but it uh, Who else is left? Greyjoys? Uh, nah, you kind of need... You need a second unit of archers and some trappers, or, you know, you're having to run Reavers. Um, Reavers? Is that the right... Reapers. Reapers. Reapers, yeah, you're having to run Reapers, which without any synergy tools as well. It's like Reapers. Yeah, awesome. I mean, you do have Victorian, so you have Victorian Reavers in an Asher list, but I don't think that Asher's that good. Yeah, and great Greyjoys, you know, you're missing a few. Like, you nearly always want to bring in one more box from outside. Um, neutrals. Oh wait, they're not a faction. That's funny because they're literally not a faction. But starter box you can buy. Very interesting. (laughs) I'm still going to bet on Night's Watch. Yeah. The reason I actually bet on Night's Watch is that I think that they're just very playable out the box. Yeah. 
there's nothing bad in the box. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, and of the factions, and their deck is just so intuitive and yeah. so, like, meet the trigger, play the trigger. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I agree. I agree there. I think Night's Watch. Super interesting tournament though. I almost sort of ran something similar as a league, but just never really got it together. Uh, so that's happening this week, and they've they have got a growing scene as briefly speaking to the guy there who's running it a growing scene in Northampton and it's really picked off there so that's fantastic you know it's absolutely brilliant to hear um we've also got uh a I'm not even gonna pronounce that that's uh, a a mixture of uh Polish words yet again um I thought you'd gone on some kind of map to try and find it there no, no. <laughs> run by Kingwin or sponsored by Kingwin I don't know uh, in Gdansk in Poland. Um, so yeah, that's an event that's running. Uh, crazy art there. Uh, there you go. So check that out if you're interested in Polish events also happening this weekend. Um, we've got uh, also happening this weekend is Armory Wargames and Hobbies uh, running an event in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. MA? Massachusetts? Um, yes? I think it's Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, uh, knowledge of American states is limited. Um, yeah, so that's an event happening there. That's also happening this weekend. Uh, and then starting this weekend, but obviously finishing much later in the year, is uh, the Finnish Spring League that I am going to straight up say is a guess, but it's run by our good friend Timu. Oh, yeah, no, there he is. Uh, oh, no. That's his friend. That's not Timu. Um, but I'm guessing it's run by the the, the, the Finnish group anyway that's up there. It looks like the same people um, in Helsinki. So obviously we'll catch up with that as that goes on. We've also got the en route to the Citadel. It's actually starting next Monday um, in the morning. But it's the second en route to the Citadel event uh, from uh, the French uh, contingents there. So uh, yeah, hopefully that goes well as well. Um, I don't know how many players they've currently got signed up. But Galanthal has been putting a lot of messages out, and I think they're starting to get sign-ups for it. Yeah, it's only been signing up for the last couple of days. Um, yep. There's lots of people yeah, who pretty, are... Uh, it was about 30 players last time around, I think, yeah. off the top of my head, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, acted as a qualifier to their big... National event? Uh, big on route to the Citadel is their system by which they're um, qualifying TCS and in-person events grew into something of a national event for them. So, uh, yeah, really good luck to uh, everybody who's playing in that. And interesting to see what the French community come up with um, in what is, you know, a pretty competitive environment, right? Like, a lot of the French players always stick with their favorite faction, their favorite commander, or, you know, they, they, they maintain that they play non, non-competitive lists or non-meta lists, but the environment is definitely, this is a qualifier for a big event, so we will see them bringing close to their A game within those bounds of the fact that they normally claim to be relatively uncompetitive players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um... And aside from that, we're looking ahead now to next weekend, not this coming weekend, but the one after, where there are events happening in New South Wales, in Australia, 
uh, more Polish events, uh, Swindon with the War of the Westerlands, um, more events in Colorado, um, uh, in British Columbia, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, as well, all happening, not this weekend coming, the weekend after that. Uh, there are, of course, lots more coming up as well over the next couple of weeks and months. Lots of things planned in. This list is mm-hmm. quite long. Um, yeah. Of course, take us You'll see on the first DC. couple of pages, there's a, there's a Sunday Slaughter, Gamers Haven, um, yes. National Qualifier. There's also Ten a Fabricators Forge. Today, I think. But yes, uh, Fabricators Forge one's in there. Yep. Uh, Fabricators Forge, also National Qualifier. Yep. Um, so both of them um, looking like really good good events coming up. Um, I, I believe and I hope that I think there's one coming out of the West Coast. Um, hope to uh, hear about that one soon. And you know, there are discussions about a few more popping up around. So uh, we'll try and keep people up to date. Oh, obviously, we won't know who is or isn't their personal their personal um, kind of responses on whether or not they will be attending Gen Con. But we'll try and you know try and keep a list of who who we know has qualified, who who's going to be there, who the movers and the shakers are. Uh, I'll definitely be uh, keeping an interest on it uh, as I uh, will intend to be there myself. So um, yeah, and uh, obviously Adepticon is this weekend, right? Is that is it this weekend coming? <laughs> I think it might be. I don't know. Ah, when's Adepticon? Someone else knows when Adepticon is. Surely, if I say when's Adepticon, someone in America will be like, ah, it's this date. I know it off the top of my head. I haven't got a bloody clue. <laughs> um, no, it's not this weekend. It's eight days from now, so starts next week. Right, but that's the start, and the main yeah. event will be the weekend after, right? Yeah, so it's yeah. it's it's it'll be not this weekend coming; it's the weekend after where the main events will be. Um, so that's interesting uh, to see, as you just point out, though, an event in Denmark. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was looking at. Not seen an event in Denmark. Not seen any in the Danish community before. I recognise this. That's interesting because I recognise that banner, but I guess somebody's just reused it. I assume that's not done by the same person. I've not seen an event come out of Denmark before. It's a nice piece so. of art. And uh, it's in Denmark. And Denmark's cool. And it's good to see some Danish players have already signed up for that event. Polaris is still trying to get into it. He got waitlisted. I don't know, I don't know what that means. I don't know how Adepticon works. I'm not even going to sit here and lie yeah. to you. They clearly haven't sold all the tickets for Adepticon. Um, last I checked was... Unless, so we saw that they had a 16-player main event, right? Um, the 16 players they signed. chose that they weren't getting to 32 so that they were going to cut at 16. I mean, it is a choice that you could choose to make. Um, yeah. It would be because you don't want to run a fifth round. Um, Potentially. Be an interesting choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be quite surprising. Like, you know, I could imagine them, like, Putting off at thirty-two, maybe. The only, but not. The only thought I could have is that GenCon itself, or sorry, Adepticon itself, has actually run out of tickets. Um, so they actually can't actually have many. Although, suspended ticket sales end of February, yeah. So maybe they just literally can't sell more tickets, and uh, mm. they're just maybe, maybe see... like the the space got reallocated to a different game because it wasn't selling well enough. Martin is in chat. He says hey. that they have thirty to forty players in Denmark. That's actually that's that's awesome. Because uh, uh, you know I, I've never I've never heard anything coming out of Denmark before. Not not seen any kind of 
particular engagement on the Facebook group or, uh, or you know, with the site. Uh, so awesome to see what, uh, what you guys put together and uh, what's going on. Uh, maybe see you at uh, a European event sometime. Speaking yeah. of, let's just finish with LGT. Tickets are still on sale, but there yeah. aren't, there can't be many. We haven't actually really like checked in on the tickets because we were just so happy to have gotten up past 100. Um, they are cut off at 128. We are yeah. so casually sure that we'll make it to 128 that we almost don't bother to try and sell you the tickets anymore. But the tickets will probably sell out pretty soon. So honestly, guys, like, not for our benefit. We're so confident <laughs> we'll get to 128. If you want to be there, go buy your ticket. Like, seriously, go buy your ticket before. Or you'll only end up disappointed. Um, also, you know, there's there's the flexible option if uh, if things are difficult uh, travel-wise for you or you can't 100% commit. So there are options out there for everybody. Um, I just Ilya says that. that a War Council update just dropped. Yeah, there is a War Council update apparently, guys. Um, I will no doubt have a look at that and see if there's anything that's actually changed on it. Uh, what's the bet that they've made? I don't know. Thornwatch. Uh, maybe they've fixed them to be uh, not... On Drown Men. Drown Men. Drown Men. Drown Men. I don't even know why I want Drown Men in the app, other than the fact that like I don't like to be in the limbo of them not being in the app, but people want to use them. Uh, even though I don't like the existence of solos in the game, <laughs> it's, I it's still the, want trans men to be in the app. It's the transient state of is a unit released or not, and like yeah. that's just as much as like we might argue and say, "Oh my god, how is it not released in the UK?" At least if I know it's on War Council, it's a released thing, right? And that's the difference: is that if it's not on War Council, it isn't a released thing, and that's the problem. Um. So yeah. Um. There's no uh no update on my end, which is a shame. Uh, but they did fix Rickon apparently. That was the last update. Uh, oh well. So, yeah. We'll uh we'll leave it there at a snappy two and a bit hours. Wow. There is one last thing we have to do. Uh oh. A special day today. Okay. Because we nearly didn't get anything for this. But three minutes after we started recording, Carlo, we got a classic uh, submission for some pictures here. Have a look at those bad boys. Tell me, how are you feeling? A definite zero on the camera work. It's a little bit blurry. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just your eyes, mate. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be my eyes. Um, I think they're nice. I. I don't know what to say. I really like the gold non-metallic. Mm -hmm. that, that, that is absolutely for sure. Less sold on the green non-metallic for Renly's armor. Um, but the horns, the yellows, the color work, it's all very, very nice. Mm -hmm. Except... I don't like non-canon Loris. Isn't, he this, is, isn't this Renly, like Charismatic him. Air, and Renly, Lord Paramount? Loris has got a shield. He does. And this week, guys, we will end this episode with Carlo giving zeros, and us giving a zero to Carlo, who says he actually likes playing 
commanders called Loras, and he likes playing Baratheons. So there we go. <laughs> I, did, I did think he looked a bit weird for Loras. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, uh, yeah. Don't we just yeah, love cool. it? Yeah, cool. Uh, cool. So there we I go. Let's leave it there. Cut it, guys. Cut it. Cut it. There we go. Pull, pull the plug. Pull the plug. Um, pull the plug. <laughs> so yeah, uh, thank you very much, guys, for anyone who's tuned in. Uh, anyone who's catching us off on the podcast, appreciate that as well. Um, the reason we do it is to keep you guys entertained and keep you guys uh, with some content to listen to uh, in your busy working weeks, as is always the case for everyone. Um, if you're part of a community who is relatively like fresh on stats. Uh, if you're part of a community that we don't hear about very often and you're, you happen to listen to this or you know of communities that you that don't listen to this, um, I'm not going to make you say, oh, make people listen to Toygram. That's not all we want to see. We want to hear from them. We want to hear from these communities. Um, there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of weeks, given that we've been talking about, like, we don't see a huge player base in America. And people from America have been coming forward and saying, there are communities here. There's like 20 of us. And it's like, that's great. How do we not know you exist? Um, there was a, some guy who literally said we like run an event nearly every week, and there's like 30 of us who play in this area, and it's like, okay, but nobody knows you're there, so tell us, come and connect, come and meet the wider community, and and then we can all hate Carlo mutually. Um, so you know, <laughs> why we're all here. It is why we're all here. So again, thanks everyone for listening, uh, and uh, we will see you next week. <laughs> See you later, guys. Ready, aim, release! Anyone see my mammoth?